Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Outside Looking In, the podcast series wherein I talk to 29 other people about what their team is like, and then also ask them about the Raptors so we can gauge some kind of consensus, building together, I guess, a fan base who listens to this podcast, who knows about the league at large, and you have a really good idea of what the league thinks of the Raptors. And today, we have Aaron Edwards, of course, a comedian, writes for All Caps NBA, Crooked Media, and a host of the Locked On Suns podcast. A very talented man. A lot of different hands <laughs> and a lot of different Pringle cans, as it were. And uh, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, it's been a, a long week for our Suns fans, but it's been a pretty chill week for the most part. <laughs> okay, so that's where I want to start. And so there's this thing that happens when – it's kind of what happened with Adam Silver when he first came in as commissioner – and everybody wanted Donald Sterling gone. And Adam Silver was like, be gone, shoo. And then he had good press for like five years yeah. despite not doing <laughs> anything else. PayPal is seizing the very same opportunity here. Does it not seem that way? Yeah, like they pretty much saw Adam Silver's like corpse slowly walking. And they're just like, we can feed on that. And they just, everybody's attacking him right now. And rightly so. Like, I'm sure we're going to get into that, but. Yeah, like everybody's going for him. <laughs> Saying the quiet part out loud is really funny. And I wondered because I, I talked about this with Blake too. I was like, why didn't he just say like, hey, this is America. It's not really <laughs> the constraints of the NBA. Like this is America. Ownership has way more power than employees. Like this is a country <laughs> that has been undercutting unions and everything associated with like labor power for a hundred years. But instead he's like, uh yeah uh, <laughs> maybe they do have extra rights you know like I i'm curious what you make of that it was crazy because like to me if i was in that situation that press conference would have been 15 seconds long like you just have to go up there and be like these are my bosses what you want me to do and then just get off the stage <laughs> that's all he had to do <laughs> it's, it's a it's a tough position so if i can lean on you for this i'm gonna ask you the sarver situation for Raptors fans who maybe have been completely oblivious to what's happening, anybody who listens to this podcast, can you run me through the cliff notes of what happened in Phoenix? Um, so Sarver was a tough hang at work. <laughs> um, uh, he was, uh, he would berate you. Uh, he would be sexually inappropriate. He was dropping in bombs left and right because he thought he should be able to say it. If his players were saying it, uh, people were signed, uh, releasing their NDAs to breaking their NDAs to even bring this up. Like hundreds of people were. And yeah, he was just 
pretty much a dirt bag at work. And I think that was where the league kind of got confused was like, is he racist or is he just a jerk? And I think that was probably the confusion of the whole thing. Maybe maybe it's like the Venn diagram. He's right in the middle. A racist yeah. jerk, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So the fallout is what he got suspended for a year and fined yeah. 10, million. 10 million. Yeah. Okay. As a as a Suns fan, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that he should have just take his like huge punishment of a billion dollars. Like I think just selling the 36 or 34% of the team that he has would have just been simpler. Like he doesn't lose in this situation, but I think that he was going to take this whole thing to court. And that's why they ended up where they were because he kind of threatened to pretty much blow up even other owner spots and say like what stuff that they do at their places. And I think nobody wanted to deal with that. Adam Silver especially didn't want to deal with that. So they just kind of like let him be and gave him this kind of slap on the wrist. Is there a famous snitch who people ended up liking like in media, in movies or anything? I can't think of one. Uh, I think like in American, uh, uh, American gangster Frank Lucas ends up snitching at the end, and I think Denzel makes it seem charming. So I think he's like maybe the only cool snitch I've ever seen. And yes, yeah, Sarver <laughs> would not have been. I guess that makes sense, especially in those in the big like cabals of power. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and Sarver <laughs> was like, "If I'm going down, you're all going down with me. Only yeah. my <laughs> stuff won't send me to jail." It will only get me a payout. I, You guys don't want to know what happens with you. Yeah. I just imagine he was like just at the table and he was like, I got Mark Cuban. They were like, we already know about Mark Cuban. And then he had to just keep naming people until they got to somebody that he might know. Oh, man. It's like that. Uh, What is it? Harry Potter. Uh, what's the Death Eater's name? Who's like on trial and he's like naming the other. Oh, Barty Crouch. Yeah. <laughs> Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like some, some owner or whatever. <laughs> okay, so I think the, the standalone idea we're taking away from that is uh, racist dirtbag uh, should just take the payout and leave. Who knows what's going to... Well, actually, the last question we'll ask about this is with PayPal and the another minority owner said that he wanted him to resign, right? Yeah, and that was the owner, even last year, me and uh, Brandon Clean, my co-host with Lockdown Suns, shout out to him, um, even we talked about it, like, uh, that's the owner that we kind of want to take over. He's like a cool dude, Uh, he's kind of one of those tech dudes, and he's he says he doesn't want to take majority ownership, but everybody's kind of been clamoring for him to do it, because for the most part, as far as billionaires go, everybody kind of would rather him do it. Hmm. Well, I guess cross my fingers for that to happen. Then we'll see what <laughs> happens with with sponsors paying. Like when they bail out, when people lose their money, the stuff tends to move a lot more quickly than just the the voices of you know Twitter and I don't know yeah. what else is getting behind it currently. I don't maybe Facebook if you use him as like a cult hero now. They're like <laughs> Robert Sarver is a you know he's a <laughs> American hero. Who knows? But uh, yeah, they okay. said that in a. Um, they said the NBA PA, like she even said on, uh, I think NBA Today or whatever, that the players all want him gone. Like, I don't think Adam Silver kind of thought this would go away super fast. But yeah, like you said, once sponsors start leaving, like that's when the NBA has to take notice. Like the NFL, like when they saw that Dan Snyder was doing all the stuff and just being terrible at his job, 
But the second they heard about him messing with the money, like they were like, maybe this dude needs to go. So that's kind of how it works with any big corporation. Yeah, that yeah, them's the breaks for sure. But I guess move on to uh, this. That was like basketball operations. We'll move on to, I guess, basketball, basketball. And that's the yeah. Raptors. So I'm, I've been very selfish in doing this podcast series because it's not just a preview series where I talk about the other team. It's where I ask other people <laughs> to talk about the Raptors. And so it's, you know, Raptors fans or a fan of any team. They're like, what do other people think of us? You know, do you like yeah. the players I like? Do you think my players are good? Do you think they're <laughs> underrated? You know, like... So I'm trying to feed that to all the all the fans of the podcast, the listeners and stuff like that. So, Aaron, your your broad strokes thoughts on the Raptors. Um, fun fact, my first authentic jersey that was ever given to me was a Vince Carter jersey. So, so I thought I should at least bring that up on a Raptors podcast. <laughs> That's yeah, that that makes a lot. I had actually I think actually my first my first jersey was a Steve Nash jersey and it was the orange Suns one. I'm a, like, Oh, that's I'm, a bad one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, but I like my parents would never buy me anything like that. And here's the worst part. It was at value village for like $7. I saw it. I told my dad, I'm a little white Canadian kid who likes basketball. There's a Steve Nash jersey for $7. Like that's a layup. And he said, yeah. we'll come back tomorrow and see if it's still there. I was broken. Oh, dude. No. I, was like, I was like, wait, 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 please. <laughs> it was still there. And then additionally, when I was like 14 and on a little thrift shop trip, I, I bought a, a Vince Carter uh, vintage jersey as well. Too. <laughs> so you and I were in, were in close proximity there. But with, uh, with more modern players, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the Raptors? Um, I just love their team makeup. I went to college in Kansas and I was there when uh, Van Vliet was at Wichita State. So like I remember his game like perfectly because I thought Clay Anthony Thomas was going to be like the dude. <laughs> and so like I just remember that team because they were just hoopers and just seeing what Van Vliet turned into in the league, like it's special, like dude is a hooper. And just the way that um, you guys GM just builds a team, like he just puts – the longest arms out there, if you can move your feet and you got the longest arms, like you're going to play on the floor other than Van Vliet, obviously. But I just like the makeup. They're just defensive oriented. And it's just like a fun team to watch because it's just a bunch of non-household names. But the second you get on the court, it's hard to score and they can all get to the rim whenever they want. <laughs> so with Fred Van Vliet, an interesting thing that's been with him rising to being one of the better shooters in the NBA one of the interesting aspects is that he has side spin on his jump shot. That's covered. Yeah. Is, did you know about that when he was at Wichita State? Because that was kind of <laughs> people only start paying attention once it was in the NBA. But it was there in Wichita. Yeah, I didn't even notice that until people started bringing it up. <laughs> it's It kind of blows my mind, too. It's There's like a lot of different variations of what jumpers look like in the mechanics. But as far as yeah. the ball coming off the hand, it's usually backspin. But... Yeah. Side spin uh, blows my mind. Well, Peja, Peja yeah. had side spin. And I remember yeah. that was a huge deal that everybody always talked about because he was such a great shooter with side spin. And I didn't know Van Vliet had it. <laughs> That's um. I wonder if if a kid out there has ever thought like maybe I should be like Peja. And Peja. then <laughs> the coaches started looking at him like he was just like off his rocker. Like, what the hell are you doing, kid? This is insane. <laughs> Those Kings um, teams are fun, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, they were awesome. That's the, the there's like a Tim Donahue. Did it come out? There was like a oh yeah, a on Netflix. 
Is it yeah. out? Yeah, it came out like two weeks ago. Oh, did you see it? Oh, uh, no, I didn't watch it yet. I, I feel like I want to save it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet either. But I, I have uh, very strong reservations about that uh, playoff matchup against the Lakers. I'm, I'm yeah. very pro Kings. So I bet I don't know if I'd be vindicated <laughs> if I watch it. I mean, yeah, like during that time, well, one of my best friends in, around that time was Mike Bibby's nephew. So we got to like hoop with him and go to his camp and stuff. So I'm always going to be on the King side of this. Wait, so when was the last time you saw Mike Bibby? Um, maybe like a year ago. How how thick is that dude? He's the most he's, jacked person I've ever seen in my he's life. He's buff as hell. Like, I don't know how he's able to get jumpers up or at least show people how to do it. How did he walk through a door <laughs> is like my question. Like it went from because I went years without seeing him before he got buff. So it was like I remember that dude. And then I went to see just the most jack person I've ever seen him. <laughs> That's yeah, it's like the Alex Caruso Photoshop image, but yeah. man, I can't I can't believe it. That's if I was a professional player after this is why I'm not well, there's a, a million reasons why I'm not a professional player, but this is one of them. I don't have that dog in me. If I finish my career. I'd be big, dude. I'd be eating. I'd oh, be you'd go that guy. way? <laughs> yeah, I think I would. Like, I don't know how Mike Baby would just became like a, you know, a gym rat and just got like buff as hell. Um, okay, uh, there's there's big names, a couple on the Raptors. One of them, Scotty Barnes, because he's rookie of the Love year. Him. Pascal Siakam, all NBA. I'm curious what your thoughts are on uh, those two players. Um, I love Pascal, like. I remember it was like the knock on him that he didn't really have any moves, but like it's the Giannis thing. If the one move you have keeps working, then why are you going to learn another one? And that's how it is with Pascal. Like he can still get by you. And once he gets into the lane, like he can hit that little jumper once he spins back the other way, like he sometimes does. And he can just pretty much do whatever he wants. And until you make him stop, he's just going to keep doing that. And Scotty Barnes, I just, Love him on defense, and I didn't even expect his offensive game to be how it was. He's just so versatile, and at such a young age, like I didn't expect any of that from him because I didn't know his game in college. You're you're the same as basically everybody else. This is the I've had this conversation with like everybody. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Hey, I didn't see this coming with Scotty." And man, <laughs> Scotty is probably Scotty and like six other people in the world were the only other people. Even like yeah. Scotty's mom is even probably like, "Damn." You know, I didn't like I didn't know he had that in him. Um, but OK, so there's a couple guys you like on the team. There were rumors that DeAndre Ayton, of course, like the Raptors were involved in the Ayton and the KD talks all summer. And, you know, the Suns were involved in all of the Ayton talks and a lot of the KD talks. None of it came to fruition. I just did the Brooklyn podcast with Matt Brooks. And I kind of did like the what the hell is going on in Brooklyn yeah. thing. He didn't have, he was, you know, about as confused as I was. Uh, I'm curious if there was a, a trade that went through, what was the package you would have wanted from Toronto for DeAndre Ayton? Um, I think it would have had to have been a sign and trade with Ayton, or I think it would have just been Ayton straight up, and we would have probably had to get rid of our first, which is kind of going to be bad for a little bit, and or future first. And I wanted, I wanted Pascal bad. Like, I just wanted – we just needed bucket getters and dudes that could get fouled. And I'm sure we're probably going to talk about that part later, but it's just – that was like a big thing with Phoenix is I just wanted a dude that was a bucket and that could pretty much force your hand on our team because we kind of don't have any of those. 
Well, that's that takes us into the next point. That's yeah, a great segue. You led me right into it. There's there's a nice <laughs> cohesion going here. It's a, a, a two man game. But Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Aiton, the Suns, because they have really great offensive framework. They have you know Booker has become a much better playmaker than I think people give him credit for. CP3 is obviously the point god. All that kind of stuff. Those the three that I mentioned first have been efficient for forever and, you know, in different ways, but also all of them have kind of been capped at a certain amount of usage. And the Suns on top of that have been limited in the playoffs by just kind of having that two headed snake instead of being able to attack from a few more angles on the court and maybe being a little bit, uh, I guess, rote in what they were doing offensively. So I'm curious of those three, do you have hopes for any of them to ascend? Is any more likely than the next? All that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, like during the playoffs, like once people start stopping the actions that they've seen a bunch of times and you just need a dude that can go get a shot. Like, and I said this before, like for, after a while, Chris Paul, like he can't get a bucket unless that's he gets that switch. If the point guard stays on him, he's going to struggle the entire time. So he needs the switch every time. And I just think as far as somebody making the jump before the Knicks injury, before his quad, Cam Johnson was like on fire. Like he had, he looked like he figured it out. He was shooting like 44% from three. Like he was going off the dribble. He was getting to the basket and then he bruised his thigh or whatever happened. And he just kind of just fell all the way back down again. And in the playoffs, we kind of needed the Cam Johnson we had before that. So I've been hoping he's going to make the jump the entire time. He does have like a bag, if you want to say that. But he doesn't really get to use it because he came off the bench for Crowder the entire time. But I really think he's probably going to be the one to make the jump this year. Bridges was like when Book got hurt or when CP was hurt and he was putting up like 16 a game. It wasn't like flashy and off the dribble, but he was finding ways to get to the rim and just making open shots and being way more aggressive. That's all we've ever wanted in Phoenix was for Mikael Bridges to be aggressive. Because, yeah, like he has the harder defensive like part of the game, but Every once in a while, like you forget he's on the court on offense, and we just kind of need it a little bit more from him on that. And then with with Aiton, I think Aiton has been obviously he's imperative to what they do because he's such a good roller and he's such a good yeah. cleanup guy offensively. But if he was going to expand a part of his game, what would you be looking for? Um, aggression, like getting fouled. I think sometimes when the foul's coming, he does like a point guard thing. He kind of slides away from the contact <laughs> and he kind of just wants to do like an um, up and under or something. Like if he can just get the contact and get to the line more, like I want the Aiton that played in that um, Pelican series. Like that was the perfect Aiton. I mean, he's obviously not going to stay shooting 60% or 70% like he was, but like he was aggressive. He was, he knew what move he was going to do the second he touched the ball. Like it didn't seem like he was thinking he was just, the perfect center that I wanted. He was looking like Hakeem and he's obviously not going to stay looking like that, but I just want that mindset from him. I'm so Jay Crowder has been a guy who personally, I don't dislike Jay Crowder, but I've always been uber annoyed at the way <laughs> his shooting fluctuations come in and out. And Same. there have been times when I've been cheering and it was, it started when he was on Miami and I was I wanted Miami to lose the series. And Jay Crowder was taking like 11 threes a game and hitting like seven <laughs> of them. 
And I was like, I hate this, dude. This is so <laughs> stupid. I'm like, Jay Crowder, uh, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, it's like, but there was sometimes when the team was falling apart, even in that Dallas series, like he was the only one that seemed like he wants to be out there sometimes. You're going to get a Crowder that wants to hoop a majority of the time, like whether you get the good version or the bad version, like he'll go on a stretch where he's like, Oh, for 18 in his last three games. And then he'll get out of that funk. And he has like three, four point plays in the same game. Like it just, it's crazy with him. Like if he could just be that dude that like whose jumper is on, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Cause even every once in a while, he'll put the ball on the floor and make a really good pass off a double. Like he can hoop, but when that shot's not falling, it's a struggle to watch. It definitely, yeah. He's he's one of those players. It's not often that I'm off put by a guy's <laughs> performance, but he he's one of the guys, the few in NBA history that I felt that way. I don't know why. <laughs> maybe maybe it's because well, actually, he was the guy who was beefing with Booker after the 70 points. Yeah. And now they're teammates. Just as a, a point of curiosity, did that ever was that ever covered by anybody in Phoenix? Like, hey, you know what happened with this? Was were they ever asked? No, I think um I think Book was asked like immediately after or they were in a facility because somebody was like, wait, they had that like altercation together. And he was like, I never seen so many people that happy after an L or something. I think that's what Crowder said. <laughs> and uh, Book like said something about like you're just food on defense. Yeah. But it was just like I think they acknowledged it quickly and they were like, it's all good. Like it's just ball. And I think that was pretty much as far as it went. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, that that fits. I, I like when guys are able to drop things quickly. It's uh, it's impressive because th- this is this has been my longstanding opinion is that I I think it, there's some fun aspects to like the you know like dickhead like aggressiveness in basketball yeah. for sure, but I really like when players are nice to each other because it gives you a really great frame of reference that these guys who play the highest level of basketball are better sports than all the guys at the local like YMCA or LA. Yeah. It's like, there'll be a dude who will come off his shift and will freak out and like yeah. start throwing punches. And it's literally <laughs> the, the smallest game in the world at that point in time. And these NBA players could like lose a game. Maybe it affects like a, you know, like a $500,000 bonus or something and they'll dap up. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I've always appreciated the positivity for sure. I like the other way, especially when it comes to like Katie and PJ Tucker, because they've had to play like hard games against each other. And they're like really close. Their parents are close, like all of that. And they go hard at each other. Like they get into it so much. And you just know that they're probably hanging out at each other's houses like right after. Like it's always funny, like seeing them. Yeah, that's um I think my favorite video was the one where PJ and Katie are like talking a lot of trash. Yeah. And then Katie's mom starts talking trash to PJ and PJ starts talking like really sweet to her. Yeah. Being, like really nice. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, more so in the team wide stuff. I think that the Suns, Monty Williams, he, he gets a lot of love for the for the offense that they run. Um, they like they run a ton of pick and roll, a ton of Spain pick and roll, and they have so many um secondary actions that spring off of that. Like really beautiful offensive design. Yeah. And that's part of what makes Michael Bridges so um, I guess good offensively is because he's a good shooter. 
and because he makes quick decisions. So he doesn't necessarily need his dribble to get downhill. Like they'll run a Spain pick and roll. Maybe the team like ices it. They'll swing it to the other side where he's coming off a pin down and there's a lane to the rim, something like that. Yeah. And that, that type of offense helps out players like that a lot. It's not necessarily the bucket getters offense, yeah. but it helps out players like that. I love that. I want the Raptors to emulate some of that because the <laughs> Raptors are such a, a vibes offense, dude. They, they isolate <laughs> so much like you, this is a fun stat, but Pascal Siakam had the most isolations in the NBA last year. 800. I did not know that. More. I mean, I don't want him to have that many, but I do like, <laughs> I like more, a bucket getter. <laughs> more than Luca. Pascal Siakam isolates more than Luca. That's, I like Pascal. I, I really like his game. He's all NBA. Isoling more than Luca is maybe not the best um, <laughs> assigning of everybody's talents. OG isoed a lot when maybe he should be put in motion. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention him. I like him too. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. So, um, but anyway, I like that aspect of the Suns. Of course, they need to diversify at times, and we talked yeah. about that. But I'm curious when you watch the Raptors, is there anything that you say, I wish the Suns did that? Um, even in like tough games, like I think that you guys don't foul. <laughs> and like, I think like the Suns, like we were really good on defense, but there are just sometimes when we just have like the dumbest fouls. And I know Booker's still kind of like learning and stuff, but I just like you guys' length and how quick everybody is and just the defensive game plan. Like Nick Nurse will put your best player through hell if he has to. And I think just like Monty hasn't figured out how to put the best player on the opposite team through hell. Like, I don't think he really has that figured out yet. It's, it was really interesting because you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. During certain parts of the season, the Raptors did a really great job of not fouling. Um, <laughs> to start the season when the whistles were swallowed, the Raptors yeah. did not foul that much. And then <laughs> once the whistle changed, they fouled a lot. And they actually, they had a stint last year where they were 30th in defensive rating for like a month. It was, oh, really? Yeah, yeah it was terrific. But then, <laughs> You know, they adjusted back and they stopped fouling as much. And they, um, so ha have you watched, I think you should leave. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. You no, know, you know, the skit where it's like, he can hit oh, yeah. I feel like since the Raptors have like Fred, Fred is a, he can hit guard. Yeah. He's so small. And because the Raptors are often playing somebody undersized at the big position, I feel like they get the, he can hit type thing you know yeah. and maybe, maybe DeAndre <laughs> so doesn't get the benefit no he really I mean he kind of doesn't deserve the benefit yet honestly <laughs> that's yeah that makes sense but I do yeah the he can hit thing it lives rent free <laughs> in my mind so I, I was thinking of like yeah I feel like it's a he can hit scenario but yeah <laughs> they eventually they eventually adjusted but they're very aggressive Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet both are highly successful at on-ball digs and stuff like that. Yeah, and there there's some he can hit stuff going on there, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, also just the the long wingy guys, you know, they can they can I guess recover into spaces without fouling, maybe a little bit more often. Um, last question: So, a healthy Suns season likely means I guess two All NBA selections, probably. You know, yeah. if if Chris Paul maintains his level of play. And Devin Booker, by all means, should be ascending. Like, like, you should keep improving. So those two guys should probably be all NBA players. My cow, probably if they're good, will repeat 
for an all-defensive team, all things considered. Do you think that the Raptors will have any awards given to them on the other side? Um, it depends. Like, what kind of jump do you think Scotty's going to make? Because from rookie of the year, it's got to be some pretty big leap. Like, I think you have to have some pretty big expectations for him. And if that's the person you're thinking, then I think maybe a third team, like a second team all defense or an all defense uh, might be in there. I mean, that's still Giannis's position, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think it's so few spots. It's kind of hard to determine, especially for a rookie. But if that's the person you expect to make the jump, I think I can see Scotty Barnes taking them. I Yeah, I wonder, Scotty, if – because every once in a while, I think Luca was a second-year all-star guy. Yeah. Um, there's not that many second-year all-star guys. I don't. I don't think Scotty will be an All Star this year. I, yeah, I, I don't see it. I do wonder who might be the representative of All Defense on the Raptors if they have a really good team. I actually suspect it may be Precious Achua on an All de- All Defensive team. Oh. <laughs> He's tremendous, and I think so. If I had to pick, and I'll bounce this off of you, see what you think. If I had to pick, I'd go Pascal Siakam All NBA again. And I would say Precious Achua, all defensive team, probably second team, because he could oh, wow. qualify as the forward, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely going to be Pascal. I mean, I don't think you guys want his usage to be that much again no. this year. But I think Pascal, and he was kind of hurt last year, wasn't he? So I think he's going to be healthier, and the team's just going to be a lot better. I think he's going to have a really good season. And the Precious thing, I'm not sure. Like, the all defense, like, once you're in it, like, it's hard to knock dudes out that are already in it. So I just think that's probably the hardest one to get in because the league's just going to be like, Giannis, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's just going to go the same holiday. Like, it's just going to be the same dudes until they, like, really fall off. So it's going to be hard to really, like, steal somebody's spot. That's Yeah, that's true. That's You have to be so unbelievably good to bump a guy off. Like, a guy, if he's if he's on all-defensive first team – He's going to have three years on all defensive second team <laughs> and he'll be bad by the end of it. You yeah. know? And, but like the voters, it's like some dude at like a newspaper in Boston who's like, yeah, I like Javal McGee. I think he gets a lot of blocks, you know? And yeah. Like, all, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I can't remember who it was, but whoever voted Andre Drummond defensive player of the year, yeah. like in 2000. It's like, there's always dudes like that, like, you know, establishment media, traditional media. They're they're watching like six games a year, you know, and they're like, yeah, like Chris Paul, like he's still gonna get some votes because he was all defense like seven straight years. Like I just think it's really hard to knock dudes out because it's just in their heads now. Like they're like, this dude can play defense. You don't just stop knowing how to play defense, and they just give it to those dudes. That's uh yeah, and then once and then once people stop acknowledging your defense, then it's like it's completely the other way. Like <laughs> I think the first year that LeBron didn't make all defense, somebody published that study that was like LeBron walks eighty five percent of NBA games. You know, like so. Oh like uh, he's yeah, just, he's just reserving his energy and all. It was like when stuff. all the pictures started dropping of him just not even passing half court. Like. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my offense is too important. You guys got to play D. Like, you know, <laughs> pound the pound the hardwood, like pull up the shorts, see what you can yeah. do. Um, Aaron, as far as like Raptors, uh, Suns, is there any parting shots you want to give? If we haven't discussed something, feel free to uh, to monologue, as it were. 
Um, party shots. Um, just bucket getters. I was. I've been saying this all summer. <laughs> just at the end of the day, I watched my team get blown up by forty in the playoffs. If you do not have a bucket getter, you're going to be in trouble. And if you have an old dude that refuses to put up a shot, you're going to be in trouble. So I just think make sure you have a bucket getter coming off your bench. Like that's my biggest thing because that was my biggest thing with the Suns this year. That's why I've been screaming for Jordan Clarkson since that final buzzer for Dak from Dallas. Like I just think we need somebody that can get a bucket. He he would be really great. He, he yeah. would actually he would work in a lot of their set actions as well. Yeah, he would work and it would just give Chris. I don't want him to play 37 minutes a game, 36 mm-hmm. minutes a game this year. And so I think it would just help out for just the playoffs. Like, I don't want us to be a first seed anymore. Like, let's just get that four to five. And I'm fine with that. Let's just get there healthy. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you think about like the videoing workouts after games and stuff like that? I'm, I'm curious, like the, the rise and grind. <laughs> <laughs> um they were doing that already like i think yeah. yeah so that was like the biggest thing like i felt bad that it got filmed but that was probably the worst part was that it got filmed like i don't think they wanted that because the second i saw it i was like they're gonna get roasted <laughs> and that's exactly what happened but they had been doing it for like the last two years <laughs> yeah that's um it's it's a real shame that in this world it's like if you go the extra mile and you aren't the best everyone's gonna be like loser yeah and the second i saw it i was like if we lose in the playoffs this video is getting played a lot and it sure did yeah that is that's too bad aaron uh the opportunity is now for you to plug yourself to uh convince the listener, the viewer, if they haven't been convinced yet to tag along with you wherever you need and to uh, if you have anything you want them to read, listen to, whatever, uh, let us know. Um, watch all the videos from All Caps NBA. Like we had really fun last year, like just all of the video clips. We took it back to 2003 and did a 2003 show. That's probably the favorite thing I've ever written. Um, so, yeah, all the crooked media stuff. Um you can catch my stand-up. I'll probably start doing that uh, this fall. Just check my uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's all Aaroned, A-Y-R-O-N-E-D. Check me out. Cool. And if anybody is paying attention on... Well, if you're watching on YouTube, his stuff will be in the description. If you're on the website, um, you'll just have to click his name and it'll take you to his Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But uh, oh yeah, I guess also if you're on YouTube, like the video because yeah. that helps, I hear. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> algorithmic overlords something like that yada yada and uh podcast channel just keep doing your thing you know we're in your ear <laughs> oh yeah and locked on suns my bad my oh, bad brandon yeah. and locked on suns and locked on suns yeah if you want to keep up with the suns keep up with aaron with locked on suns um yeah thanks everybody for tuning in aaron thank you so much for coming on man it's been a thanks blast for having me, man. <laughs> and uh yeah we'll see you <laughs>